Welcome back to the Startup Show, everybody. I know, a bit of a shocker, two episodes in one week. But in the famous words of Sean P. Diddy Combs, we ain't going nowhere. We ain't going. We can't be stopped because it's bad boys for life. And we here on the Startup Show are bad boys for life. We're back with the first part in our mini-series on voice. Uh, And we're doing this for a couple of reasons. I mentioned this on, on our episode the other day, but First, uh, many of you know that B2B podcasting is a big part of our business and an integral part of the strategy we're employing on behalf of our customers right now. It's something that um, where it makes sense, we are trying to help as many businesses uh, get into the podcasting and voice space as possible. Um, But beyond that, there is just a terrific amount of room in the voice space for B2B companies to create, to connect, and to grow their market share really by, by beginning to think about how they can leverage this space, which is still really super early and in its infancy um, and, and figuring out how they can use that for their business. So that's what we're diving into today. Um, in today's interview, we've got Patrick Givens, who is the head of VaynerSmart and a leading thinker in the voice space. Uh, I met Patrick maybe three or four years ago. I was working I was working for a, a B2C brand, and we were pitching growth concepts for them as they were getting ready to launch this, this new brand. And so uh, this is probably maybe two or three months right after Alexa had launched. And so very few people are using it. Very few brands were involved with it. Uh, So Patrick walks into the room where we're doing this pitch and joins our team. And he proceeds to pitch this brand that they need to be the first brand in their category and one of the first brands overall to launch a branded Alexa skill. And uh, I remember at the time, unfortunately for them, it wasn't right and they didn't have really the stomach for it and and the uh, risk tolerance, but it really intrigued me. And and that is what kind of kicked off my own personal quest into voice and its application for business, uh, like I said, a little over three, three years ago. So I have the utmost respect for Patrick. I'm excited for what he has to share um, and, and the applications that he is seeing for B2B businesses in the voice space. So Without further ado, here's Patrick Givens from VaynerSmart on part one of our mini-series, Diving Into Voice. All right, we've got Patrick Givens here on The Startup Show. Patrick, thanks for joining us. Adam, thanks for having me. So I think I, we've, we've talked at length, you and I, uh, off-air about, uh, offline about season two here on the show. We're really excited about doing a deep dive into voice. And I was thinking back to the first time that you and I met, I don't even know if you remember this, but we were actually pitching a, a brand, um, in a hotel in Atlanta. And this is maybe three or four years ago. Uh, and I think a a big part of our pitch anyway, was around the idea of using Alexa, um, which was like brand new at the time for this, this brand new brand that was coming to market and, um, and it caused quite a stir in the room. Do you remember that, that conversation? I do remember that. I remember getting, uh, quite a bit of pushback about the (laughs) idea of associating with Amazon in any way. And then I think if I remember correctly, about a year later after the brand didn't go with our pitch, we got a few inquiries to ask if we could go back and revisit that. And then by that point, one of their competitors had actually stood up, an experience that pretty much mimicked exactly what we had suggested to them. So we were maybe vindicated by time there. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I just thought that was an appropriate uh, start off to to our conversation. Um, so obviously, you've been in and around the voice space and the smart space uh, for a while, heading up VaynerSmart. Um, maybe real quick, just just give us a little bit of a touch on on what you're doing and and what your background is to get to this point. 
Sure thing, yeah. So at a very high level, I've been working in the marketing world at agencies uh, for a little over the past decade, uh, coming out of a client services and brand strategy background, and then for a couple of years doing innovations consulting, which was less technically oriented, actually, a little more around kind of new brand development, new product concepting, things of that nature. And from that lens, I wound up spending a lot of time dealing with some new platforms, new uh, technology partners, not actually really as an expert in the tech, but more so building some not super technical products, but wanting to understand the world in which people were going to buy them and use them and how all that was going to work. Mm. Um, and that was, those conversations were really what ultimately got me in touch with Gary about now almost five years ago. And then after that, just over three years ago, brought me over here to VaynerMedia to start up this group, VaynerSmart, which uh, VaynerMedia, as a full-service digital agency, we kind of cover everything from the way upstream creative concepting and strategy on through development production and then the, the media planning to blow these things out into the world and distribute them. And then VaynerSmart, we sit as uh, the emerging tech group within that broader mix. So mm -hmm. while everything we'd like to say at Vayner is pretty progressive and we're really thinking about where attention lives today versus some of the traditional old world channels. On the Vayner smart side, we might be a step ahead of where mass attention is today, but it's all about building up our capabilities. We always talk about you, uh, you got to go for a jog before you're ready to run a marathon. So mm -hmm. getting ourselves, building some capabilities, building up the muscles we need to operate in new channels. And exactly as you were saying, voice and the conversational AI space is really kind of chief among them. It's definitely our biggest vertical and biggest area of focus. Yeah. And I, I think it's, uh, you know, just looking at the space, the voice space specifically, I think that your work and the investment that you all have put into voice and into the conversational AI is just a telltale sign of what is to come, right? Because um, Gary's notorious for, for investing way early on these types of uh, technological advancements. And especially when he believes, and you guys believe uh, as, a, as a company, that the consumer attention will ultimately land there. So um, with that being said, the past three or so years, um, what have what have you guys been working on within the space? I know that uh, there's there's a ton of stuff that you work on, both from a search and interactive piece to a commerce type, uh, you know, which is where most people's heads go, I think, when they think about voice. Where are you seeing momentum uh, in the space just overall? Sure. So we yeah, we got our start in voice actually kind of just by happenstance. It was really right after I came over to Vayner, we had a client brief come in that didn't ask us to like, build an Alexa skill or build a Google action or something like that, but it actually just said it was a brand experience program. It was one of our clients in the spirit space and the alcoholic beverages, and they said, okay, who has they had been running a guided whiskey tasting program. Mm -hmm. They'd seen these great results from, but it's obviously capped in scale. You can only have so many people sit around a table and you only have a few masters of whiskey to deliver this thing. So it was impactful, but really limited in scale. And they flipped us a very open-ended brief that said, can you help us figure out how to scale this program without diminishing the impact too much? And we tried out a bunch of things. We did you know, video series of the tastings and those could totally deliver scale, but we did find that a lot of that impact and the connection was lost. We tried messenger bots. We tried um, kind of interactive live streams. 
ultimately one of the things in the mix there was an Alexa skill. And this is back in early 2016, so mm-hmm. pretty early in the uh, adoption or the entrance of brands into the space. And it really did come down there to identifying a specific intent, like what is someone asking for? And then how do you build a conversation that's a great answer to that? Mm-hmm. Uh, in that case, we had a good starting point because the brief kind of defined the intent. It was someone who already probably had a bottle at home or at least knew a little bit about the spirit and stuff and was actually interested in going pretty deep and getting a guided tasting. So one of the areas that we wind up doing a lot of work these days is in trying to define what those intents might be. That's kind of the strategy element for us. The intents, uh, you and mean, then once you pick, sorry, just to clarify, when you say the intents, you're talking yeah. about the con- the consumer's thoughts and, and intents, right? Yeah, yeah, what they're asking for when mm-hmm. they talk to a platform. And I think if you compare voice to mobile web or even just desktop web, that's one of the really important frames that changes and you have to think through to be successful in voice is you're going to be answering a question, but you're not going to have a lot of the same navigation tools of menus. You can't mm-hmm. just build something, the equivalent of a website where, cool, someone arrives there and then they can navigate their way around. They can seek out the information they want and make a bunch of choices. And you can do that really quickly when you have a drop down menu or a homepage that lays out a bunch of options and lets them choose. In voice, you're generally at least uh, voice first, if not voice only. So sometimes you might have a screen accompaniment, but it's going to have to work with a navigation that's led by the conversation. So we'll often start kind of as you were saying and unpacking the different elements of what voice can mean for from a user perspective. You might go to a voice interface for really fast results from search. A lot of the time that tends to be a little more on mobile and tends to be more uh, actionable search things rather than doing a bunch of deep research by voice. A lot of time people are just searching for whatever's nearest me in a certain category or wanting something right now and trying to get quick information. It might be about commerce. Like you were saying, it's a really, really small share of the e-commerce market happening over voice so far today, but we see a lot of indicators of where it can pick up, not least of all investments from, uh, Amazon dealing directly with brands, trying to encourage them um, to promote shopping over Alexa as a way, yeah, to buy their products, but I think importantly to uh, to reorder. I sure. think it's going to make a lot of sense for areas like that. Right. And then, so, like I was describing this other brand, the interactive conversations becomes a big part of it as well for us. Yeah, so, so a lot of what you're talking about, uh, and I, I want to touch back on the search um, pieces as well, but is is yeah. to your point is has become essentially second nature when it when we're interacting with a screen like we don't think twice about um like you said scrolling through a menu on a website or even scrolling through uh, a, a long list of search results when we have a, a specific intent to find something as consumers um, for voice as you're as you're you know a part of these conversations and working with these brands how how are you guys and and what would you recommend to folks who are trying to get into the space to build uh the infrastructure essentially in order to be able to take advantage of voice does that make does that question make sure. sense it definitely does yeah so i think you've got a couple of areas you know voice is obviously just a big sort of open ended term that's encompassing a lot we just talked through a couple of the areas mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. search the commerce the interactive side so i would start with is what a, a given entrepreneur is looking to build something that 
will benefit from the biggest mass deployment possible? Or is it something that's going to need to be really well tailored for a specific space? And I'll give you an example here. If you were trying to, for instance, we have a, a banking client. Mm -hmm. And if you wanted to put out an experience that was going to find, say, potential, uh, help people sort between the different credit cards they offer, for instance, or the different insurance options or something like that, that's going to need to reach a mass audience. The whole point of that is that people can access it wherever they are and get quick information back. So great. Mm -hmm. With those, you want to look at deploying out over a mass platform and you're going to need to go through a whole design architecture of who is your target, uh, your design target, what is the intent, like I was saying before, that you're prioritizing there and how do you structure a conversation. But flip that around and say that what you're building is actually meant to exist just in an owned environment. So for instance, um, trucking companies or actually auto companies of all types, they may want a virtual assistant that's running within their car. You could also imagine this uh, for an on-the-floor assistant uh, if you're in the re a retail space that's actually meant to be used by your sales force rather than by consumers outside shopping. In that space, if you're operating in kind of more of a private context or an owned context, it's going to be a whole different set of considerations that you're building. It's going to be mm -hmm. less of an issue maybe of driving initial adoption and awareness, but more coaching compliance and really good design for the space. So I think at a very high level there, that's the first distinction we'd make. If it's meant to be a mass proposition that's available to everybody, then in North America today, you're basically in a two-horse race. You're looking between Amazon Alexa and Google Assistant. Mm -hmm. And both of them offer some really nice tools um, that can streamline and even just prefabricate for you some of the conversational design, but it doesn't take away that onus of really figuring out who you're doing a, having a conversation with and how you're setting it up. And then flip that around if it's in the private and owned space, then there's a whole suite of technology partners that can build something that might be used within your own, uh, own context. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I would, I would think that would also extend to, I mean, you talked about um, maybe having, having an assistant in your car or even um, on, a, on a retail floor, but it seems like that could also extend to industrial situations, um, you know, B2B Absolutely. type businesses that have either a manufacturing component or a distribution component where, where um, they could build essentially oversight or, and, and guidance for their, for their workforce. Is, have, you been, have you seen any of that? Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I think for your audience and for the folks listening, there's, again, kind of two ways that I would imagine voice uh, as an interface and the technology behind this could matter to your businesses. One being tools that either you might build or some SaaS products you might license that would help your operation, something you'd use mm -hmm. internally. Then the second being, given how new of a space this is and how much it's just developing, there is definitely white space out there to develop some of those kind of killer apps for voice. So hmm. there is, there are some that are out there now that target certain verticals and I think do a really great job of building in the context that they can know because they're domain specific. And then there's tons of areas where voice might make a lot of sense and there just either isn't someone building it there yet, or if they are, I don't think in any case, anyone has kind of dominated the market on a given space. I think it's all still, uh, still up for competition. Yeah. So why, why do you think that is? Cause it, it seems like, um, and I know there's, ch everybody has different charts and, and growth rates and things sure. like that, but 
it seems like the utilization of these devices is skyrocketing. I mean, I've, you know, people always compare it to the iPhone. It's outpacing yep. the growth there. Um, and But at the same time, to your point, or or maybe I'm just missing it, but it doesn't seem like there has been many killer, you know, apps to your, to your point. And um, secondarily, the use cases outside of listening to music, I think a lot of businesses are struggling to understand how they can harness uh, what, what would seem to be an incredibly rich data repository uh, on their consumers or, right. or on their workforce. Yeah, I think the analog to smartphones and particularly just as an example, they're using the iPhone trajectory is actually pretty appropriate where um, we always go back to the images of Steve Jobs up on stage announcing the iPhone and having the big, the three big images behind him of um, music, internet, and phone. Right. These were all coming together and it was going to be your phone and an iPod and a browser. But importantly, like the internet example or the internet uh, icon he had up there was that of a browser. It wasn't the app store yet. Mm. Um, so I think part of this is almost a lack of memory on our part of 2007, eight, nine, how the initial adoption and what it meant to have an iPhone in those early days prior to the real evolution of the app store and of that ecosystem designed apps. It was a lot in those days of accessing websites that weren't either mobile friendly or even sometimes mobile accessible over a phone. And it was a pretty wonky experience and kind of frustrating. Mm -hmm. And then pretty quickly, I think developer communities and businesses started to see the opportunity that designing for this new context was going to provide. And you could build things again that were, yes, structured differently to work on a small screen instead of a big screen and touch instead of a bre uh, having a cursor. But it was also about leveraging your location when that made sense or being able to um, include a lot, of, uh, a lot of the data from your history within an app to kind of inform the next actions you might want to take and suggest smart things. We're just starting to get to the face and voice where a lot of those sorts of systems are coming into play. Um, mm -hmm. I'll give you an example here. Uh, if we talk about a couple of different domains, a couple of different spaces where not just Alexa for business or on the Google Assistant side, they, the big platforms are certainly offering some interesting uh, services that start to work better in a B2B context, but a couple that we're exploring um, in the hospitality space, there's a, a great technology partner called Valera who aren't exclusively affiliated with either platform, but if you're a hotel operator, a B and B operator, anything of that nature, what they built out is a really nice SaaS product that does the integration to a lot of your property management systems and then helps with doing voice deployments on property. So they focus in on a really specific use case. Mm -hmm. Someone, uh, a guest in at a hospitality provider who is in their room and say wants to control elements of the room or call for room service or make calls to the front desk and requests more linen, different pillows, whatever. Um, and built out a lot of those conversational flows, but also the API integrations required to make that uh, an easy deployment on property. And that's where they really focused their efforts. They said, okay, this is the specific context in which we're going to design and we're going to build a best-in-class product there. Uh, we've seen others look at other verticals, so be it 
booking for fitness classes, booking for salons, um, and others totally different that might be about uh, an assistant for meetings, whether that's kind of set up of the room for a meeting and streamlining that whole process, or just taking really great notes and mm. capturing action items and trying to automate some of that process or at least be a helping hand along the way. And so I think in any of these contexts, it often starts with defining your context up front, defining what is the conversation that you're trying to have or the value you're trying to provide, but as best you can, set the setting that context of who you're likely to be speaking to, what they most likely will need, and that way you can start to develop really good answers to those questions. Sure, yeah, I think it reminds me so much of just the basic uh you know, business, uh, advice that so many people talk about riches being in the niches and, and really honing in so, so tightly around your, your target and then creating or innovating, um, based on that. Um, I'm, I'm curious, a lot of our listeners and and a lot of our audience is in the B2B space. And so we talked a little bit about the virtual assistant, the owned environment type, uh, uh, building within, you know, with that context in mind. Um, are you seeing anything particularly interesting in B2B or, or if not, you know, where do you see opportunity lying um, for the folks who are, who are in that space? Yeah, we're seeing lots of interesting, I'll call them all startups at this point because I think nothing in this space is more than <laughs> really two or three years old in most cases. Um, and like the hospitality example I was just describing, a number who are, growing with a focus on a specific context like that. So you've got really interesting players, honestly, in um, in medicine and patient care, some of those areas that even though they're very tightly regulated and that can be a tough, uh, a tough barrier to, to exploration and innovation sometimes, sure. it also means if you do the investment to get involved there, great, you've got, um, you've established some real domain expertise and potentially a bit of an extra moat uh, against competition who might come in. We've seen... And, and potentially like a, a, a built-in customer base, right? Uh, those those folks who absolutely. are... Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a space where, again, one of the benefits to me, it, it's not a space that we as Vayner Smart are operating right now, but it is one where I can pretty easily think about how I would go about, A, envisioning some of those intents I was talking about earlier, trying sure. to map out what are the things people are likely to ask for. And then I can definitely imagine what the research would look like to validate or test those where there's a a whole bunch of people, whether it's going to be, if it's patient service, great. You have patient communities. If it's provider services, cool. Also lots of industry groups there, folks you can talk to. Um, I've seen some interesting deployments that are for the auto example I described and particularly some, uh, I think pretty impressive around trucking and around some of those areas where we, that's often an industry that we hear uh, flagged as a prime for disruption by automation. And in a lot of these cases, actually rather than being something pressing from that side of automating the whole process, it's what kind of tools could you deploy with voice that just make the job a bit easier or life a bit better for the human drivers in this case. Mm. Um, whether that's you know check-ins as they're driving along the way or um, simply checking in on arrival at a uh, at a warehouse or wherever they're making their drop so that if they are stuck waiting for their dock to be open or something like that 
that time is properly accounted for. A lot sure. of the time here, it's actually just making it a lot easier to capture the pretty simple data that the system is already supposed to capture, but because there's a lot of friction to tracking those things, it just doesn't happen. So in a lot of ways, voice is really just taking the systems that we've already designed and making interaction with them a bit quicker and a little bit easier. Yeah, that's the that's the thing that's just so exciting to me, really as a consumer or just as a person, uh, in the sense that like, I don't know, voice is just so so natural. I know that's I know that's an obvious statement to make, but like I I, I shared this in the intro for the season. Uh, we just had our first son in November, and like already, you know. 95% of our communication is either because of just some eye contact because obviously he can't talk or anything or move. And then it's so heavily re- dependent on voice. Like he already has totally. different things that he's, you know, noises that he's making and things like that. And I guess what it's, what it's drove driven home to me is like voice is just ingrained in us as humans, as this, tool this mechanism to be able to discover and engage the world with so it just makes sense that connecting our our most native uh interaction tool to all of the data that is already being collected and used in the world like that just makes sense from a really high level you know so building the systems to be able to uh you know for lack of a better word just make those APIs essentially between humans and and the devices is what's so intriguing to me and and um I think where a lot of the opportunity lies um so I think you're exactly right if you were if you were uh running one of these companies and I think I've heard a lot of and when I say one of these companies one uh, just put yourself in the shoes of an entrepreneur who's trying to um build a business within the voice space or uh, trying to, you know, find a a niche or an area to innovate because um, there's so much opportunity within this space right now. Or even for an existing entrepreneur, how can I use voice for my business? We've heard a lot about, uh, or I have, about um, Alexa flash briefings being something where businesses can take advantage of to grow similar to, you know, early social media. There's a lot of opportunity to get ranking and things like that. And then obviously there's all the services businesses, you know, building skills for other people or things like that. But what are you seeing or, or, uh, as low hanging fruit for folks who are trying to get into the space and, and build a business, um, or use it to build their existing business? Yeah, I think, Looking at this from the vantage point of an entrepreneur, I would start with the understanding what's hard versus what's easy and what could be the lightest lift ways into something where you might still have a lot of upside. So what's hard in the space right now are probably mostly in two buckets. One, deep interactions with a lot of complexity, things that are going to require a lot of back and forth interaction and especially comparison. Mm -hmm. That's all challenging by voice. Think about in whether this is in, in shopping. Okay, I'm going to make up, uh, you're shopping for a car. One of the first things you're likely to do is think about the type of car you want. You could easily enough design a conversation that gets you to, uh, do you want an SUV or a sedan? Do you want new or used? All these couple questions you get to an answer. Sure. But at some point in that shopping, you're going to want to look at, you're going to want the screen. You're going to want three or four cars with their prices and their mileage all on a screen in front of you so you can quickly compare and contrast. Mm-hmm. That's a challenge to do by voice. Now, there's increasingly voice as a, as a navigator or as the 
interface to, uh, that you're leading your engagement with, and then you could have a screen complementary. There's room for that, but I don't think it's the easiest place to start. So avoiding some of these deep and highly comparative spaces is probably a start. And then the other area that's tough that I would just be wary of is for anything meant to kind of accumulate a mass audience, discovery and voice is a challenge today. Even the biggest brands in the world that we work with will put out an experience over a voice platform and have to invest pretty significantly in media to make people aware it exists. It's not a, the case that you can put out, I would say, almost any kind of an own skill or action mm. and expect people to just stumble upon it or find it. They're really, you need to invest in promotion of it. So if that's going to be a barrier that means, okay, if you're putting this thing out, you're going to have to spend significantly to make people aware of it. Maybe that's prohibitive from getting started. Then I'd back up to what were some of these B2B spaces where quick information exchange is, would really help solve some friction in the system, where we already have the data structures behind it and even the tools in place, but the downside is a lack of you know, getting the right triggers, the right inputs in quickly. So other places that I've seen a lot of this done to date would be uh, in the construction space, within warehousing, um, pick and, picking systems, things of that nature where a lot of the information may exist and the hard part is getting the data input and then getting a quick feedback. And I think if you look vertical by vertical, there's a few out there. You know, there's a handful who are doing well with well-structured products, but we're so early that there's still tons and tons of white space there. Mm. Yeah, it's it's such an exciting time. I think um, obviously here on the podcast, we're going to be diving in, uh, after this episode with some vertical specific conversations as well, because, but the opportunity just feels endless. And sometimes that's really exciting. And sometimes that's a huge part of the challenge, which is what I'm hearing from you as well. Just the discoverability, the, um, you know, needing to, to niche down and figure out where the opportunity lies for a specific entrepreneur. And then, yeah. you know, doing that, that most, uh, minimum viable product versus trying to, trying to replace CarMax <laughs> with your, with your first That's effort. That's exactly right. But the one thing I would keep, and we always press clients on this too, is when you talk about a minimum viable product, which is always how we lead into any of these kind of digital product or voice product conversations, you can't forget about the word viable in the middle of there. Mm. I think it's a temptation yeah. sometimes when you talk about an MVP to scale yourself down so much that you may actually diminish the value you're providing, uh, which is okay. It can be less than the full end value of a product. But I think we all need to hold ourselves accountable that anything we put out, if someone uses it, they're at least going to have enough value derived from that experience or at the very least be intrigued enough that they're going to come back and use it again. Um, I think an area that I've seen some kind of badly designed experimentation would be rolling out products under the guise of it being an MVP. Mm-hmm. And then you get the potential early user or beta community, folks who are willing to give it a try. And you actually kind of poison the water with them because mm-hmm. what you put out there isn't good enough yet. And so that doesn't mean that everything has to be a massive deployment, huge uh, end state. That's absolutely not where we're trying to go. But it is holding ourselves accountable anything we put out there is going to provide some value and at least uh, be something that anyone who use it, uses it hopefully will be intrigued enough to come back and see what else it may provide in the future. 
Yeah, it's the same. It's the same issues that that we faced, um, you know, with e-commerce early on, when where one bad experience poisoned the well, and people didn't want to give their credit card information anymore. Or social media, you know, one one uh, person not one brand not responding or or responding negatively um, makes the entire experience yeah. poorly. So yeah, that that's a great point, and actually building value versus just putting it out for the sake of putting putting it out. Um, but Patrick, thank you so much for joining. I think this is a great intro and overview of the space. Um, really excited to continue watching you guys build out not just voice, but everything that you're building out at, at Vayner smart. Um, anything that you want to add bef- before we, uh, take off here? Um, just that I'm excited for your audience out there to hopefully do a little exploration of their own. And honestly, for folks who want to do any, um, kind of self-serve or exploring in the space, I think the, Amazon Alexa developers portal has a ton of documentation and tools in this space where you don't even need to be technical and kind of be a developer at all hmm. to read through that and get a good sense. And then the last one would just be as you're trying to evaluate some of these spaces to really yeah, focus in on a more defined context, even potentially a smaller audience. I think that's an okay trade-off in this space. More value to fewer people is going to trump less value to more people. Because I think in, in the world of, trying to always reach a bigger audience and go for more mass experiences, you kind of by default water them down a little bit and make them a little more generic. And that just doesn't connect in the same way in interactive product design and voice the way it might in other kind of media. Awesome. Awesome. Appreciate it. And where can people keep tabs um, on you? Uh, on just Yeah. So yeah, for me, probably best on LinkedIn, uh, Patrick Givens. And then also on Twitter, although I'm not uh, not as regular as I ought to be, but at Pat6414. <laughs> 6414, cool. And I will link both of those in, in the show notes as well. But um, again, thanks so much, Patrick. Uh, appreciate you coming on and, and look forward to uh, talking again soon. Awesome. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much to Patrick for coming on the show. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Just a really good interview and introduction into voice. Uh, Hopefully it will spur some thought into how you as marketers or executives can begin to use voice for your brand. If you enjoyed the show, uh, feel free to drop us a five-star review or toss us a note, adam at stryfire.com, and let us know what you thought about it. Otherwise, we'll be back with a fresh new episode of B2B Breakfast this weekend. And until next time, we'll catch you then.